0: Welcome to the award-winning Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Advent season has arrived, more commonly known as the Christmas season. But actually, the Christmas season begins on Christmas Day and stretches out 12 days into the Feast of Epiphanies. It's where we get the 12 days of Christmas from. But I digress. If you're listening to this, around the time it was first released, we're heading into the second year of COVID-19 and, frankly, we're all exhausted. (laughs) At least I am. Not only do we have a pandemic, but here in America, we have a constant fight over politics, regular tension over face masks, and relationships torn asunder over the vaccine. But there is hope. Not in humanity, but in the advent During this time of the year, we look forward to celebrating the first advent of Christ when he came to reconcile us to God. But just as ancient Israel looked forward to the first advent of Christ, so too do we look forward to the second advent of Christ. Now more than ever, when governments fail us and rock-solid relationships are blown away like dandelion seeds, our hope and longing need to be realized in Jesus his kingdom, his renewal, his redemption. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive us. Today's story is once again by AK Preston. Preston moved from Illinois to South Dakota in April 2013, worked five years in the banking industry before deciding he would rather work with pigs than debit cards and took a so farm job in November 2018. AK Preston is the pen name for Preston Klopfenstein. By day, he's the resident midwife for a farm of 4,000 sows. By night, also known as very early in the morning, he writes riveting, mysterious tales of good and evil. His first book is The Gavadin Project, a sci-fi horror novel about environmental terrorists and genetically engineered tigers. He also contributed two short stories to the Unseen Anthology by Two Tigers, LLC. You can find him on his blog at Empyrean Voyager, as well as his website at akpreston.com. Sign up for his mailing list at either site to download The Gavadin Chronicles, a free anthology of prequel stories for the novel. Preston currently resides in Rock Rapids with his wife, three children, and 100 books he might actually write someday. You might remember A.K. Preston from back in episode 96, The Vision of Endor, and more recently in episode 105, The Final Line. Check the show notes for the direct links to his works and The Gavadin Project. So without further ado, The Untold Podcast proudly presents An Elven Eve by A.K. Preston. I must kill tonight. I know this from the moment I enter the vehicle. The knowledge weighs upon my shoulders as the driver takes us through the streets of Reykjavik. It remains as we stop. It is still there as Hekla climbs into the seat behind me. Hello, Uncle. Sweet, innocent little Hekla. For a moment, I share her smile. And forget. Hello, Elskamine. What did you do today?
1: Today we learned about the solar system. It has eight planets. Earth is a planet.
0: Oh my! What are the others called?
1: Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturnus.
0: The vehicle moves forward. I ask more questions. Listen to her describe the heavens with the simple, boundless wonder of her seven years. She wants to visit Mars someday. One of her classmates wants to live there. So many dreams. I too was a child once. But when? We drive slowly. Snow blankets the streets, more of it falling freely. Twilight has long given way to winter night. We stop at an intersection. The light is red, about to turn green. I see farther, much farther than the driver. Hecla, your father, tell him to wait. Peppy! The car is moving, jolts to a stop, just in time. There's a scream of tires on ice, blaring horns, a flash of headlights, then a single percussive crash. Her father stifles a curse, fumbles with his seatbelt. He twists around, reaches back to his daughter. Hekla, are you alright? She's in shock. She holds back a sob, chokes out a yes. Her father visibly relaxes, withdraws his hand. Wait here. He exits the vehicle, pulling out his phone and dialing as he jogs the few yards to the wreckage. Two vehicles. Two passengers apiece. I see every single detail of the injuries. One is already dead. Another will die in surgery. The two remaining will survive. One recovered in full. The other as a cripple. I look far ahead. A building several blocks away. I would remain here if I could, but the time has come. Stay with your father, Esclamine. I will return. She's still too frightened to speak and merely nods rapidly. She's trembling. I touch her shoulder. She is calm again. Already there are sirens in the distance. I pass her father as he returns to the car. I hear the voices behind me. Hecla, how did you see them?
1: I didn't. Uncle did. He told me.
0: Who? I hear the snow crunching under my feet, but there will be no footprints. Nor do I feel the cold. The snow itself passes through me. Once, I would have felt all these things as humankind... But those days are gone forever. I've arrived. There's a sign before the building. A name I do not recognize, followed by the words Institute of Virology. I look upwards, there, at the very top. I must kill tonight. Doors mean little to me. I pass through this one as easily as the snow. The stairs take the longest. I pass through one entrance and arrive at the top floor. The next door I see is open. Light glows from a distant source within an otherwise darkened room. The one I seek. I must kill tonight. I cross the threshold. There. A man in a lab coat sits before a computer. His back is to me, his fingers clicking on the keyboard, oblivious to all. He is not alone. A black, cloaked presence looms beside him, displacing the light as if utterly unaffected by it. The form is leaning forward, a gloved hand on the man's shoulder. I hear a voice, dark, Silken. Cruel. The same words repeat themselves. Ascendance, Worthy. More power than you can imagine. The man hears none of them, but they go deeper than his ears. Get away from him! The words cease. The figure turns, faces me, not merely a shadow. There is a face beneath the hood, though covered by a mask. I glimpse a tunic, trousers, boots beneath the cloak, all of them black. And the eyes, featureless pools of pure obsidian, yet they flash with hatred. You! He throws back the hood and rips away the mask. Raven hair cascades over a death-pale face. It twists into a sneer, you have no authority here, kinsman, this man is mine. He belongs to none of us. Leave him. No. I look into the eyes. There is a fragment, a remnant of his former self deep within the shadow, despair and desperation mingled with the hate pity stirs within me. I must kill tonight. I cannot alter the mission, but I have to try. There is yet a chance for you. Depart from this man now, and you shall live. He does not move. Never. I draw my sword, blade down. Do not force me to destroy you, brother. Try he casts the cloak aside. Light glints from a sword, he draws it. There's a piercing cry as from a thousand voices. It is the sword itself, lit with flames of blood fire. He holds it aloft, close enough that his eyes reflect crimson. The blade of a murderer, screaming with its victim's pain. Innocent screams. Children's screams. My pity is gone. Do you hear them, brother? He sweeps the blade side to side mockingly, the wail rising with each swing. Count them, how many voices, how many lives you failed to save. I do not answer. I raise my sword, slip into a guard. He does the same. We begin circling. He taunts me. Do what you will tonight. It matters not. The course is set. These humans you love so much will destroy themselves within a generation." He holds the point forward. The blood fire screams even now, echoes in my ears. I keep my blade at the shoulder, scanned for a break in his guard. Do you think this man is alone? He jerks his head to the side, eyes never leaving mine. He is but one of thousands, millions, who multiply every hour. Their time is near, their race deserves what they will bring upon it. It is the will of the master. A first strike from either of us will leave an opening for the other he is trying to provoke me he fails the father rebuke thee he charges i swing another scream his the flaming blade clatters to the ground beside him he is on his knees one hand cradling the stump of his severed arm black icarus blood drips freely from the wound He looks up at me, choking with pain. His eyes are still full of hatred, but the despair is more visible than before. ''You think you have hope?'' he rasps. ''You are wrong. There is nothing for our kind. We are sundered. We are fading.'' We have inheritance in neither earth nor heaven. Only the dark awaits us. I sheathe my sword. His own cursed blade lies at my feet. Its cries have not faded. I reach down and grasp the hilt. It is a world of agony. I see Feel the suffering of unnumbered dead, slain without mercy. Their voices sound no longer in my ears, but in my very being. So many. How long has the sword been used in such a way? Centuries? Millennia? He sees the purpose in my eyes. He lowers his head. There is bitterness in his voice serve your lord then play the thrall for all it will bring you i raise the blade i speak aloud not to him thy will be done i swing the head rolls into the shadow the body falls and bleeds but does not remain it dissolves into mist before my eyes the sword has gone silent the voices are avenged i grasp both the hilt and the blade pushing with all my strength until it shatters in my hands the fragments join their master in oblivion We do not age, we fade, nor do we decay, we vanish. (sighs) Another task remains, I turn. The white-coated man remains at the computer. I step toward him, place my hand on his shoulder. Through his eyes, I comprehend the formerly meaningless figures on the screen. Unlike him, I see what they really are, more blood-fire, projections of lies, horrific ends by unspeakable means. I penetrate deeper into his thoughts, search for the emotions. They are not where they should be, I find them in a place far beneath the surface, memories are buried with them, two beloved faces, a night Far in the past, a car, a collision, years that have since been spent alone, a void now filled by obsession. A better world, one worth killing for. Too much. I break the link, step back from the man, the murderer to be. I grasp my sword. The blow will not kill him immediately. It will fester. It will grow. He will die in the same pain he would inflict on nine-tenths of the world. I draw the blade slowly. This is not murder. This is justice. Precisely what he deserves. The human who takes everything for granted. Does his race truly crave death so much? Enough to teem in numbers and yet wish to dwindle as my kind do even now? Yet I know it to be true. I have seen them murder their own children in the womb. Others hasten the passing of parents and grandparents they will never see again. This man is not alone. But the number will decrease tonight. I raise the sword and stop there on the table, the faces from his mind, in a frame beside the keyboard, so innocuously placed I did not see them at first, but they are there. I sheathe the sword, I lean forward, my lips inches from his ear. I cannot impart knowledge to this man as to a child, but what is in his heart already? You had a family family once, A son. Remember them. For the barest moment, he falters. Just long enough to see his projections with new eyes. It is all the time I need. I touch the monitor. Unleash the blow. Chaos erupts on the screen. Sparks fly. And it goes dark forever. Along with every program and document inside, I turn and leave him, staring at the remains of his work. The plan is gone. It will take more time to change the man himself, but there is hope for him now. I pause at the door. Above it is a crucifix. It's been at least 500 years since I saw anything like it outside a church. Who could have put it there? The man I've spared? He believes in nothing. What others then? Does it matter? I close my eyes, bow my head before the symbol. The greatest gift to a race that throws so many gifts away. In time, perhaps, the man I've spared tonight can see it with open eyes. I leave the building, retrace my steps. Emergency vehicles now surround the accident, lights flashing off the snow. I pass Hecla's father, speaking to an officer in uniform. The car is where I left it. I resume my place inside.
1: Where were you, uncle?
0: An errand. It's over now. Hours later, the vehicle reaches its destination. I turn to Hecla as her father exits the driver's seat. Good night, Esclamine. Be good for your mother and father.
1: I will, uncle.
0: She reaches out, and I give her a final embrace. I leave behind the daughter not my own. Her true father leads her to their home. I pause long enough to watch her mother take and hold her, relief written on her face. I have kept their child safe tonight. That is enough. My home lies at but a short distance. The night is calmer now. I walk through drifting flakes, sparkling in lamplight. I am not quite alone on the streets. Voices drift from the opposite block. a group of carolers, ending the night with a Christmas hymn, one I have heard before, when their ancestors first set note to rhyme. I stop for a moment, in the words and melody, both of which are beautiful, but I have no part in them, not yet. I arrive at last. In this changing world, the great stone changes not. I enter the door through which my fathers passed in ages long ago. The grand hall stands within as it did in days when it was alive with festing song and laughter. The walls are still adorned with embroidery, livery, and the banners of great houses that have left the world. A single, small fire flickers in a secluded corner, a fragment of life in the midst of emptiness. One day, it too shall fade. But for now, it is home. Hildur is singing softly to herself before the fire, fingers weaving on the loom. I watch her for a time. She too is unchanged, as beautiful as the day we first embraced in wedded love. A princess then, now the queen of a faded realm. Would that I could give her more. Hildur, she stops. Baldur! She flies into my arms, buries herself into my chest.
1: You've returned.
0: I shall always return to you, my love. She looks up. I see directly into her eyes, twin orbs of sparkling blue beneath golden tresses.
1: Husband, I must tell you something.
0: What is it? Something tightens inside me. No. We all feel the time of departure as it nears. But it cannot be now. It must not. She sees my fear, places her hand on my face.
1: No, husband. Something wonderful.
0: She takes my right hand in her own, guides it down. It rests below her bosom. It cannot be.
1: Yes, my husband.
0: She whispers, tears misting her sapphire eyes.
1: We have a son.
0: A child. I can only stare her in the face. The concept seems too alien to be true. So many centuries. So much is gone. So much is fading still. And yet, there is life. There shall still be life to come. There is hope. I pull my wife unto me anew and feel... Was our story. I hope you liked it. Every child born is a reminder that sin, Satan, and the world has been overcome by the long-awaited Messiah, who was and is and will come again. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box, a curated collection of podcasts, videos, and articles that will provide you a balanced meal of content. You will find culture celebrated for its past and future satirized for its extremes explored in study and created a new in story point your web browser to culturebox.media part of the culture box network is the podcast stunning and brave each week hosts chris cowan of the babylon bee and nate henderson of some boring budgeting job poke fun at pop culture They will make you laugh. That's right, you have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. You can find this and so much more over at culturebox.media. Remember to like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find us. Support us on Patreon and tell your friends. The Untold Podcast has been funded by Jason Brannan, J.D. Rempel, Richard Zong, Jen Finelli, Fred Heimbaugh, Parker J. Cole, Laura Van Arendonk bah Mike and Andra Williams, Spirit Blade Productions, The Retro Rewind Podcast, Rudy Diaz, Jackie Jeline, Amanda St. John, and Nathan and Casey Butler. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you to celebrate the greatest gift to a race that throws so many gifts away. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year.